Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. On today's episode, I talk with Garrett Benner with the Modern Assassin, take calls from Ohio and Connecticut. I wonder who's calling from Connecticut? Question mark, question mark. We talk about public land hunting, saddle hunting, and private land versus public land. Howdy and welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is July 9th, 2019. I'm your host, Eric Clark. Welcome back. Episode number 88 is about to happen. So real quick, energy for this podcast comes from the backwoods. Backwoods grind coffee. So I want to say thank you so much to Backwoods Grind Coffee because, look, I'm going to say it every episode, so if you don't like it, I'm sorry. And if you don't like it, you should because it's super good. But anyway, anyways, um, their coffee has been keeping me going. I mentioned during the live broadcast that my daughter has um, not strep throat but a sore throat, and it's been more painful for her but uh, additionally painful for my wife and I this week so far because sleep hasn't really been a thing. So I might be running on like three or four hours or something like that for the last two days combined. So maybe in the last two days, I may have gotten six to eight hours and uh, backwards grinds keep me going and keep me going for this podcast. So real quick, I do want to mention that uh, if you're not sure which flavor to try or which blend, I should say, to try, Go ahead and check out the sampler packs. Backwoods Grind Coffee has two variations of sampler packs that you can get. Uh, you can get the three-pack sampler or the six-pack sampler. If you go with the three-pack sampler, it's $7.99. Now, remember, you can use the code where the number two hunt podcast for 10% off. But the three-pack comes with the sunrise, the high noon, so, so I guess you can actually pick your three. Sorry, my bad. You can pick your three samplers of the different uh, blends. So Sunrise, High Noon, Sunset, Camp House, Fireside, and Nightcap. Nightcap is a decaf coffee. For those coffee lovers that want to have some coffee at night to enjoy it because it tastes so damn good, but not get that kick like me to keep you up all night doing podcasts. If you're a podcaster, you can really want to check this stuff out. So um, if you want to go with the six-pack, you can, you can double the price, basically, $14.99. Keep in mind, there's a 10% discount on that if you use the code WHERE, the number two hunt podcast. So that's our shout-out for Backwoods Grind Coffee this week. And on this week's show, um, it was a ton of fun. I actually got uh, into my comfort zone 
talking with guest Garrett Benner, Modern Assassin, themodernassassin.com. Stay tuned all the way to the end for some really fun announcements that debut on only this podcast. And uh, this being the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts, we do this, we do just that on today's episode. Uh, calls from Connecticut, D-Rock from East Coast Boner Podcast debuts. He's become a fixture, one that I love to have on the show. Hopefully, y'all feel the same way. And then uh, Ryan out of Ohio calls in too and kind of gives us a really great perspective from the private landowner's point of view and the pride that he has of being a private landowner and what that means to him and his family. So I hope you love the episode. Enjoy. Would love your feedback, reviews, comments, messages, however you want to get in touch. I always appreciate it. What up, everybody? We're live on the Where to Hunt podcast on Facebook and YouTube, depending on what you like better. Feel free to stream in either place. Um, somehow, shockingly, I have not missed a single Tuesday except for the time I was on vacation uh, since March or something like that. And right on time, 7 o'clock, right on the money, every time. So quick shout out to uh, my sponsor, Backwoods Grind Coffee. They power the show. They give me the energy to actually do this shit. And um, it's just really needed right now. My daughter's had a sore throat this week. She's been sick, so she hasn't been sleeping, and it's been a real grind. Uh, so for whatever reason, like it's just been a rough week so far, and it's, and it's only Tuesday, and I'm I'm actually literally I feel like I'm running on backwards grind right now. And so just a quick call out to them if you're watching on the screen on the left. The code W2H podcast gets you 10% off. Um, I'd recommend their six pack sampler. You can try any and all of the blends. That's a great way to go. Um, We'll move on and get to the meat of the show. Today on the line with me, I got Garrett Benner, the modern assassin. What up, dude? What's happening, man? Welcome to the show, man. This is I'm excited to have someone raw and authentic on the show because if anyone ever listened to the East Coast Bowhunter podcast, for starters, those guys are legit. But I guess that I'm one of theirs and uh I learned something about myself that I swear more than I thought I did. So I, I, I heard that. I morning. heard your episode with these guys as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we might be letting them fly tonight. So if you're if you're near your kids or something and they're not okay with you know dropping f bombs, just you might want to keep scrolling. You know, I I really I okay. I I, I knew I I cussed whatever, and you know I I get into I guess some roller stuff, but. I never really realized it as much until I started doing more and more podcasts and all of them have disclaimers before <laughs> announcing me coming on. I'm like, damn, did I really go that far off the rails with it? But I don't know. Raw, real, no bullshit. Like you said, that's how I, that's how I roll with it. Dude, it's a, it's the best way to be. And um, speaking of backwards grind, Jonathan Wilson, one of the co-owners just waved hi. What's up, Jonathan? Thanks for tuning in, man. Your coffee's the bomb. Um, cheers. I'll, coffee keeps America running. Let's be real. Right, man. Dark coffee in the morning and scotch in the evening. I would say dark whiskey, but I'm a scotch guy. I won't argue so, with you. Let's get into it, dude. Tell tell me and the audience, the listeners, whether they're live right now or they're tuning in, you know, as in podcast land later, a little bit about yourself. Like where are you from? Do you hunt public land? How long you've been hunting? What's your weapon of choice? All that good shit. Yeah, um, Garrett Benner, um, better known as the Modern Assassin. Um, 
been hunting, really got serious into it into my college years. I I gone hunting a little bit before that. Uh, I'm from Maryland, went to college in Western Maryland, which was a completely different environment from, uh, you know, more of the agricultural area where I grew up. It's a lot more, uh, you're in the Appalachians at that point, um, out there in Western Maryland where I went to college. And that's when I really uh, focused on shooting a bow and learning how to bow hunt because I needed something to do besides party and just, you know, get into crazy shit in town. I needed something to get back out into the woods and do all that. Um, I always kept fishing and all, but, and that's really when I started opening up the public land because I didn't have, you know, back home, I had grown up doing work for some different farmers. My grandparents knew some people. Uh, So I had some basic farmlands that I could hunt. Uh, And I did a little bit, but like I said, it wasn't until I got into college and really picked up the bow and everything and got dialed in with the bow that my whole, like, complete addiction for hunting started. So you got sick of... Well, maybe not sick of partying and chasing women and getting shit faced, but definitely you're like, okay, I should probably look into doing yeah, something. I, I mean, that's all I was doing. So I needed, uh, I needed something else to break that up a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, dude, I was there, man. I, I look, I, I always say like, so I'm 33, I think I'm 33. And it wasn't until like 28, 29, where I even considered, you know, slowing down in that stuff. And so honestly, I've really only been a productive member of society for like the last three years, because prior to that, I wasn't doing much else other than, you know, drinking and chasing. And and it wasn't whitetails. I mean, it was, but not like seriously, not like I am now. Not with the bow is what you're saying, just the arrow. <laughs> <laughs> just take it wherever it, you know, follow wherever it takes me. Um, yeah, man. So that's cool. And so do you only hunt with a bow then, or are you, are you using a gun at times? Because I know here in Wisconsin, like gun hunting is a, is a practically a holiday for the state and it's all about the camaraderie. Right. But then we get all ninja and go bow hunting the rest of the entire season. So I'm wondering. Yeah. What I mean, it's the same thing. Shotgun in Maryland's a big thing. Um, you know, we, uh, there are certain parts of the state that do allow rifle, but, um, for the most part it's, it's shotgun season. And yeah, same thing. Of course, there's a big tradition and everything behind it, but, um, I don't just whitetail hunt or just big game hunt. You know, I also, uh, big into waterfowl and hunting my dog, um, little bit of small game, predator hunting, um, bow fishing. Like I, you know, I do, I do pretty much everything that they'll let me go chase. Uh, you know, if you're going to sell me a license and a tag for it, I'm, I'm going to go after it at least a few times. You know what I mean? So that being said, bow yeah, I mean, yeah, let's level a whole playing field out, take a couple of everything, you know, keep it even. Um, but no, I, I am I'm seriously a big conservationist, too. Um, but, yeah, bow is my weapon of choice anymore, for sure. Um, yeah, even this upcoming goose season in Maryland, right now we have been reduced to a season of just one one migratory bird a day, which isn't even really worth going and setting all the shit up for. Um, why, why do you be that's honest. crazy? So, 
Yeah, they're just saying the breeding pairs, the number of breeding pairs in the Atlantic Flyway and migratory, uh, they're low, uh, apparently. So, yeah, they're going to reduce our season to just one bird uh, is our bag li- daily bag limit, one bird. So since I know there ain't going to be a whole lot of guys out there, a lot of them are going to say, hell with this, they're going to go duck hunting instead or something else, or just go up into Pennsylvania where, where it's a bigger bag limit. Um, I'm even going to try to take a goose with a bow this year. Um, I've taken a couple geese on the ground with a bow. I even have a YouTube video of that. But I'm talking, uh, I, I'm, my plan is to try to shoot a goose out of the air with a bow this upcoming year do you got plans to catch that on film too or what because that would be something to see man oh yeah absolutely i i try to catch everything on film uh rarely rarely am i not catching things on film um really the last animal i can think of uh was um last season i took a uh a nice buck out in ohio uh, took it on the ground walking in. So I didn't have chance to set up and film. And most of the time I would have been, you know, 99% of the time I would have let that deer just walk because I couldn't get it on film. Um, yep. But it had been a rough couple days already. I had actually passed another nice deer, and this was just a mature deer in my face, Um eye level on the ground and I was at full draw and I'm like man I'm not going to get this on film and I just thought to myself this one's for me and I let her rip um perfect hard shot it it, it was pretty badass we were just kind of touching on that right before I hit the record button that you know it's it's one of those things where I thought I was going to get into filming my hunts until I started getting to filming my hunts and I was like there's a lot of batteries. I got to waterproof this thing. I don't know which lens is the right lens for different things. I got to change that up. But it suddenly just started to take the, I just want to focus on the hunt, man. And it was really difficult to deal with. So a lot of respect for anybody, Um, including you, obviously that's, that's doing that kind of work, but. I appreciate it. Um, especially because I mean, if you've seen some of my YouTube videos, I've got, Oftentimes, uh, you know, two, three, even four or more different angles of everything going on. I don't have any uh, remakes. If you see me clip my release on and draw back, that's that's the actual clip. Uh, that that's the actual footage and actual time of me uh, drawing back on that animal. That's not a retake. That's not a setup. You're not setting um, the camera down and then I walking up to, to it to get b-roll footage you're like no i'm just going to shoot it as i see it right now yeah i i set up to capture the entire hunt at once i i i don't know i hate it when you see you know these guys have one camera and they're filming stuff but then it's like okay then they do a retake of the guy grabbing his bell off of the bell hanger and picking up his range finder and ranging the deer and drawing back and it's all it's all fake. It's all just to get that camera angle and that footage to then splice in. And it's like if you see if you see me draw back on a deer, it, it's the real footage. You know what I mean? Or if you see me when I pick up my bow or do whatever I'm cutting to and doing, that's that's the real shit. Raw, real, no bullshit. It, there's no retakes. There's no uh, there, there's no Hollywood splicing. You know what I mean? Dude, that's how I do this show. For the record, like. 
So it's interesting. Everyone's like, dude, that's a lot to, you know, record that live and have that interview front facing in front of everybody. What if something goes wrong? Shit has gone wrong for the record, but I, I roll with it. And I also don't edit any of this stuff at all. And so it was funny because last week I was just dead tired, man. And I, whatever words came out of my mouth didn't actually make any sense. And I just let it be because that's who I am. Like that's what's <laughs> happening in my life right now. And that's how it's going to go. And I could have cut it and done something different but i you know i didn't i think authenticity is a big big deal right now in the world and people can smell bullshit a mile away so that's, i dig it dude i think that is no bullshit right there that's no bullshit mm-hmm. people pick up on bullshit and i mean they like flies to it you know what i mean yep yep and so does that make it harder then to to film the way that you do have you missed out any deer um you know for doing that or oh yeah um yeah, for sure. There are definitely some deer that should be on my wall that I just have some film of or something like that. Uh, this past season, actually, I, I should have had a, a nice buck. Um, but by the time I realized that he was a nice buck, um, it was a, the first day hunting public land. So I guess it's a good time to get into that, the public land. So I, I did... Uh, and probably still will do some private. Um, but last year I completely abandoned all my private lands. I was having more problems with trespassers, people running dogs, people cutting firewood and everything else you can think of on my private lands than I was encountering people in public. So I pretty much abandoned all my, my private lands and went to public and uh the morning of the first sit <clears throat> um i had three does come in and i i had found a bedding area and i figured out you know what wind they'd be using it on and why and where i expected bucks to be checking this bedding area and uh had three does work, working their way back to the bedding area in the morning and about 10, 15 minutes later, here comes a buck um, coming right down the same trail. And he's directly behind behind me, the way my I'm in my lone wolf climber. Um, and the does are out to my right. Um, and so the does are at my 3 o'clock, and this buck is coming in at 6 o'clock. And I look behind me, and I can see him. He's coming in, um, and his right half, he's just a giant three points and i'm like man that's a pretty big deer like you know he, he's got some big long tines and all but i was like first morning in this spot it seems good and i didn't walk this far back in public land to drag a six point out so thinking i'm just going to get some footage of him kind of turn toward the does and get the camera and everything that way and uh last second i guess he decided those does weren't putting off the smell that he was looking for. Hmm. And instead of cutting to the right, he cut to the left. And I just very slowly turned around and, uh, cause I had to watch the does are watching him. So I had to be very careful about my movements and some kind of in between them. I didn't want to alert the does. And, uh, I was just going to get footage of this buck and, when he came out and is in directly in my shooting lane as I'm getting the camera over, that son of a bitch had at least six points on his left side alone. Holy shit. 
So, yeah, he was kind of a freak. He only had three points and a big three points, just a big fork and giant brow tine on the right side. So I figured he was just a big six point. And Nah, he came out, and he's standing there right, crossed right through my shooting lane and everything. And I didn't even have my bow in my hand, nothing. Um, so I grabbed my bow, and I thought, okay, where am I going to get another hole? And got the camera ready and everything. And he just trotted over the hill and said, see you, but... You know, if I had had my bow in my hand and not worrying about film and footage, that that would have been a good one, Dad. And uh, would have been really cool um, abandoning all my private land, going and scouting all this public land, um, thinking that was the spot I needed to be, waited for the right wind, used the access I had picked out for that wind and everything. And, uh, you know, I almost got it done uh, two hours into the first hunt in there. Um, like I said, unfortunately, uh, well, maybe I'll run back into him, but for now he, he, he got to go. Fuck. Yeah. And yeah, you're still it's, sticking it's, it's with the filming, then, right? Like, and uh, so then what, like, then you're like, that's it. I mean, that's just part of that process. That's how that shit goes. Right. That like, is part of that process. That. And, just, and here's the thing. I used to be big into skateboarding and everything and started filming everything and shit. So when I got serious into hunting in college, um, for my college graduation present, my parents got me a camcorder and, uh, and I just started filming all my hunt, every single hunt. And here's the thing about it. You know, you know, you're saying, I don't really feel like dealing with the camera today and charging the batteries and making sure the memory cards clear and, all the settings are right. Well, you know, I do that with three, four cameras at a time. I'm doing all that with. It's a, it's a real pain in the ass, but it's a dedication that I put myself to and I just always stuck to. And now it's literally having all that stuff and doing all that stuff is absolutely the same as making sure you got a pull rope for your bow, making sure you got your release. You know, it, it's 100% all to me, the camera arm and the camera is just the same as, as a bow and quiver. It just, I, I just don't hunt without it. Um, well, I was talking to, you, you know, know it, it'd be Tubbs. like going into the woods. It'd be like going in the woods and, and hunting, but only sometimes taking your bow. So it's right. like, well, if you want to get a shot on film, you better take the camera every time, just like you take your bow every time. You would, you know what I mean? You don't and know you gotta be rolling. That you gotta be rolling a lot. Is gonna happen. Like you, you know, oh, you yeah. don't want to be like just you know it's in your pack and you're bringing it along because the second something happens, you're not gonna be digging around and trying to fix, fix, like get this thing out of there. You need to have it ready to go. This year, yep. That's where yep. I couldn't like wrap my head around it, dude. Where I was like, shit, dude, so I gotta have this thing on like all t- all the time. You know, it might be it's like baseball. You know, you get ninety nine percent of it's boring as shit, but when that when that shit pops off, man, it is the most exciting one percent of. Of that makes it all worth it, you know? Yeah, and like, for instance, I found running, you know, I'll put GoPros on the ground out where I think deer will be crossing trails, uh, things like that. I'll have, which is the dumbest thing to do, is go where you think a deer is going to cross, go walk there and leave something. Um, that's <laughs> the dumbest thing you can do. But, I mean, it's just the, the dedication the I've tried to, to get it on film. That's why I love turkeys. They just don't give a fuck, and it's awesome. You can you can set up a GoPro 
eye level with them three feet from a decoy and they're like, Oh, what's that funny grass thing? Oh, whatever. I'm going to go <laughs> rape this rubber looking Turkey. Um, and every time you do that, yeah, you probably get a deer it, on they film. just don't care. Well, I was saying my, my the, buddy, Greg Tubbs, who I do the Huntland show with, he was just talking to me the other day about, he's got like a home baked, you know, DIY camera, camera arm that he made. And he's like, dude, it's not good. You know, I'm just chomping at the bit to get something new. Sounds like he might be waiting for something. Maybe, maybe yeah, he knows yeah. something uh, I don't. My my inbox has uh, seen seen Greg's name a few times. <laughs> he and I have talked back and forth. He seems like a good guy. I haven't actually spoke with him, but uh, just through messages and all. Um, yeah, myself and Matt Garris from Out on a Limb have been working on a camera arm. Uh, a complete camera arm system, you know, the the base, the arm, everything. Um, looking to uh, have the details on it, and that's what Greg keeps asking me, man, what, what, what's going on with this? What's it going to be out? What, what's the cost on it? Yeah, he, he's, he's been trying to get all the details, and I ain't holding them back from him, uh, you know, so I, don't, I hope you don't think it's that. Uh, we've just really been trying to work out all the manufacturing costs, everything else, make sure everything is right um before it comes out you know that i'd hate to rush something out and something not be not be uh up to my standards or matt's standards so we're getting everything together and hopefully by the end of this week we will be releasing details on price and pre-order for the assassin reach camera arm system boom dude that's what's gonna be called the assassin reach the assassin reach yep yep I saw um, an Instagram post the other day of you talking about it, but let's talk about we can we can just kind of weave back and forth through some of these things. The video that caught my attention the other day was, look, man, I fucking hate mosquitoes. I call them devil bugs. I don't think that there's anything <laughs> I hate more than mosquitoes. Red lights are a close second, but dude, I I don't like I don't like mosquitoes. Like they're pretty unbearable for me. They ruin a couple hunts, and you know it is what it is. Maybe I'm a little bitch and that's fine. But you were <laughs> shirtless in a tree, in the woods, in the thick of it. And I was like, wait a second, dude, you must be getting bit up like crazy. Then you zoom out and not only are you on in a saddle, you got your camera arm set up, you got your bow, you even put a freaking target out and you're, you're like, dude, no, I got to do the full thing. I got to, I got to act like this is the game because this is the game. Let's yeah, just man, talk I about like I was how saying, many mosquito bites practice you got, man. like you play. You know, practice, practice like you play. If you want to, you know, if you want to be the best you can be from shooting out of your tree stand, well, why aren't you out there practicing shooting from your tree stand? You know what I mean? If you want to be the best shooting from a saddle, get up there and start doing it. You know, there's nothing like real life simulation. Um, perfect example. And I actually think I gave this as a ninja tip on, uh, on East Coast Bell Hunting podcast is when I get up in a tree, say it's that you know, I like the mobile hunt, um, and especially last year going into all the new public. When I get set up in a tree, you know, I look around and if it's a, you know, I'm like, if this is where I want to be and not, uh, I want to go up a little bit higher, maybe face this way. Once I got everything ready and I'm ready to hunt, I pick up my bow and I draw back. And then I know 
okay, oh, yeah, I thought I could shoot on this side of that, you know, that tree, but no, I'm going to have to wait till the deer clears that for me to actually have a shot. Or, oh, well, my arm is hitting this branch, so I can't really shoot that position. Um, and everything you do, anything you do to make yourself familiar with any type of situation or action um, makes the next next situation or action smoother. So if you've already seen what it looks like and felt what it's like to draw your bow in that tree stand setup you've got going on, when you get opportunity and you go to draw back, it's already familiar. It's already some muscle memory, uh, some mental recognition. Um, and I think that really helps a lot. Uh, and that's why I'm out there practicing the different methods of what I want to do, figuring out where I want to be, where I'm going to have this camera arm and, uh, yeah, doing the thing for real. Like you said, like I'm actually in the game. Well, there's something said about muscle memory, dude. Like that's what the military teaches. It works and you get repetition. I'm not saying you're building a muscle memory by doing it that way, but that, that dose of familiarity um, you know, I read David Goggins book and he talks a lot about like, Hey, look, it isn't cheating, but if I go run the course before I go run the course, I'm going to have a good idea how my body's going to respond to when I get to that fucking hill and I'm going to know how to deal with that and how to pace myself. And, and that's, that's it, man. That's, um, not many people go about it that way. I don't know very many people that did what you did, right? I think we all kind of fuck around and half-assed it in practice because it's really hard to fake it if it's not for real and it's a weird mental thing like i've been in sales my entire life and there was a point in time we used to we used to do like role plays right and i could never do it man it just felt too weird i'm like look i'll show up when i show up i can't do this fake stuff but it's super important to go through those motions and cut it up a little bit otherwise you you could get totally you know off guard with some things um it, it is and i mean and and when you take into something like bow hunting where you're doing all this in hopes that you get that one opportunity, one opportunity. And that's one opportunity to capitalize or fuck up on. And if you yep. haven't been practicing, you're probably going to fuck up on it. And, <laughs> you know, I do practice pretty diligent and I've had just some, you know, uh, call it buck fever or whatever you want to call it. You know, there was a buck I hit high um, was it two years ago when I was hunting Ohio, had this, I rattled in this giant that just came in from nowhere behind me. And when I got turned around, he got a little alerted to something going on. He got out to 30 yards. And in my mind, I know, okay, this buck's at 30 yards. He's quartering away from me and he's on pins and needles. He's going to drop when I shoot, you know, so hold a little low well in the heat of the moment and knowing okay he just caught me at the end of my draw i gotta let this rip i put my 30 pin right in the middle i let it rip and of course he dropped i hit him high and uh i think it was it was either 48 or 58 days later that buck came back into that same area and we got a trail cam picked on him well but hey that's the thing that heat of the moment i i i mean I know damn well that he was going to drop, but that just, in the few seconds I had, it hadn't crossed my mind. So anything to prepare yourself to maybe even cut out a millisecond of what you're doing can make the difference in 
And, you know, I call that the buck that broke me because it really kind of messed me up mentally for a little while the rest of that season. Well, like, I got um, I got a silly story that's nowhere near as cool that we'll, that we'll touch on. But real quick, I mean, we got our first caller on the line to join in our conversation. We got um, Ryan Davis out of Ohio. I'm going to go ahead and bring him in. Oh, shit. It was, I was in the tree with him, the story I'm telling right now. <laughs> What's up, Ryan? No What's bullshit. Up? What's up, guys? Yeah, your ears must have been ringing, man. Oh, I was listening. To the I, I was, I was man. just telling him, was just telling him about the uh, the eight pointer down the arena that stepped out of Gold's Gym and right in front of us, and uh, I stuck high. I was just telling that story. I was just listening to that man, and uh, hey, thanks for having Shabin. me on. By the way, I appreciate that, Shabine. I, uh, I I'll never Johnny forget Watt. that hunt. That was a so tough one on me, man. And you're out of Ohio, Ryan? Yep, I'm uh, in Coshocton, Ohio. Been hunting I've here, only been to Ohio uh, once. It was like a town called Little Rock or something like that, or, or not Little Rock, but the Arkansas. It was like Rock or Rock River or something with a rock. It wasn't too far out of Cleveland. Okay, so up north. Yeah, I think so. That'd be, but I'm geographically that'd be, uh, challenged. About, yeah, Cleveland's about – I'm centralized. Uh Cleveland would be two and a half, three hours north from where I'm located. But, uh, yeah, man, what a great state to hunt. And that's where that's where you're you doing your hunting. Good deer and right? good land. Say again? You're doing some of your hunting. And, like, we've talked about Michigan's come up a couple times. Now, you're in Maryland. Are you jogging up to Michigan for, for deer hunting, it sounds like? I have not done Michigan, but I go out to Ohio and uh, Ohio. Ryan's farm – um, yeah, Ryan, the guy we're talking to right now, his farm is uh, one of the places that I frequent when I'm out there. Um, Ryan's like another brother to me. You know, we we met a couple years ago through bow fishing and and tattooed in the wild and you know just filming and doing our shit. And uh, we started hanging out and you know Ryan and Keith and I, uh, the whole tattoo in the wild crew out of Ohio. There, we just kind of became family. And so every year when it gets close to Halloween in the rut, you know, <laughs> Ryan knows I'm going to be slipping in his door and crashing on his couch and chasing some of them whitetails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. That's freaking cool. How big is your farm? Uh, we have about 150 acres um, that we manage. We've been managing the property for, uh, we're going on seven, eight years now. And uh, wow. it just keeps getting better every year you know so the the work it pays does. off i think you must be doing something right or a couple of things right yeah we're blessed i mean i i'm fortunate to have a, a great piece of property um it's i call it a, a deer utopia man it's got uh ridges valleys creek bottoms hardwoods thickets you name it it's got it it's a it's a stretch of property that it's only 150 acres but it really hunts like three, four hundred acres, and Garrett can testify to that. Just you know, hunting it, let alone, but then uh, even when you walk it, shed hunting, it's uh, you get beat down, man. It's it's a crazy terrain, and it's a it's a great place to find some big whitetails, man. So did it get better yeah, when he said when he says like, red? Start letting it, Garrett it, out there. I didn't hear you, buddy. I was gonna say, did it get a lot better once you started letting Garrett hunt it? I'm telling you what, man. This dude brings something with him, and it's never short from something crazy when uh, 
we get in the tree together. And it's uh, we've got some crazy footage from the buck that you were talking about earlier, Garrett. You shot him high. I mean, that was a insane hunt. You know, nothing going on the first couple hours. You just rolled in that night. I think you had everything he touched. That was. <laughs> <laughs> that was a trip. Yeah. I literally had a tire come off my truck <laughs> on the way there and then got out there at like three in the morning and maybe had an hour of sleep if that before we went out hunting. Yep. Yep. That was that trip. <laughs> yeah. Holy I shit. mean, yeah. but well, yeah, you know, uh... Eric, you being a, a big public land guy, um, you know, this is kind of a cool situation. This is something uh, Ryan and I, I guess, have talked about a little bit, but never really dove into too much. So, uh, you know, this is kind of going to be a question for you, Ryan. Um, you know, you guys have been managing that farm for a few years. You've been hunting that farm since your childhood. Um, you know, you got a pretty good idea of what's going down. And me coming from a different hunting style and touching on a lot of public properties. You know, when I come in, like you said, it's a, it's never short of crazy when I'm out there because it's always something different. Um, right. It's different than the way you guys hunt it. Uh, I guess the way maybe I look at it, the way I approach it. Um, and I think that may have even been what kind of led to some of you know that late season buck you shot this year is that safe to are say are you just saying like are you just saying like oh, your absolutely. public land mentality and approach and style and applying um, that to projects? you know yeah when you have uh when you have a farm especially a farm you you've had for a long time you kind of have your spots um more you know stand set and of course you know they they have different stand set in different areas for different winds or different um, different times of the year, uh, different food sources, you know, all that. Of, 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 they play into all that. But sometimes I look at them like, well, man, I kind of want to sit down there because of this. You know what I mean? So even though they had uh, an array of stand set, and, and Ryan, I can't thank him enough, he gives me full run of the farm pretty much. If I'm like, hey, I want to go hunt there, say good fucking luck, or he'll be in the tree with me. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but even then, a lot of times, even though the stands and everything are already set, I'm going in with my climber. Um, we're taking a different path in, just uh, trying to look at something, I guess, just kind of out of the box. And, and you know, you hunted a spot this year that I don't think you really hunted before, and you hunted it differently. Um kind of based on some of the observations you and I had made in the stand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the property contour is pretty rugged. I mean, it's a huge ridge. You know what I mean, I mean, we're talking a big ridge, and uh, we were just seeing a lot of bucks. We have a centralized food plot. It's about two and a half acres um, that we, we put in year after year, and that kind of changes things as far as my opinion on a, on a private property, you, you establish a huge food. I mean, it's a food source. I mean, it's not a food plot, in my opinion. I think Garrett, you said that before. He was like, you, you haven't planted a food source, uh, a food plot. You, you've got a food source, and that kind of yeah, yeah, viable source. Yeah, 
So with that being said, we started noticing more bucks on a certain side of the ridge and we were kicking them up and we were just like, we got to figure out how to, how to get it done. And actually where you shot your buck, was it this year was I, I shot mine, I don't know, 150 yards up the ridge from where you shot yours, you know? So, I mean, um, it was really not, I can't say it, it's always a challenge, but we knew where a lot of deer were traveling. So we knew we needed to be there long story short. So we set up and I did this last year. And then this year I got myself in a situation where I'm down to the last couple of weeks and I haven't punched, you know, I haven't filled my tag yet. So that's when I really started feeling some pressure. Um, but my friend Keith from Tattoo in the Wild, he, he, he gave me the extra boost because I was kind of like, well, there's always next year, you know, and he told me, he's like, get your ass up in that stand and, and hunt, you know, and I, I got up there and you know, oddly enough, it was a buck that I had previous pictures um, in early season. I had him in velvet, um, oddly enough, with a, another buck that uh, Keith's wife shot the second day of bow season. They had a, had a picture of them together and blessed enough, this, this guy stuck around. And uh, he walked in that night, freezing cold, you know, uh, and I was able to, to get it done that night. So I was really humbled by the fact that, you know, we're able to hunt what we have as a private landowner, you know. And, and that that really means a lot to just be able to hunt your own property to me. But uh, with this tying in with everything, this mobile hunting, the saddle system you guys are talking about practicing – you know, Gary, you have to look tonight. I was in a stand covered in, or not a stand in the saddle, covered in mosquitoes, you know, like, what am I doing? You know, but I got to practice. I, I, I'm not used to this. So it's something repetition will, will pay off. And I'm practicing every week, two or three times to just get familiar with getting up a tree, getting set up, shooting a bow, you know? So, uh, the mobile hunting aspect is to me, a game changer, not only for obviously private land but man possibilities are endless especially in the public uh, land aspect yeah it's a big deal in public because yeah, for... you get out there and you're going to find real quick that someone's going to be a lot closer than you thought or right in the exact spot you were thinking about going because they beat you to it or you know they're coming up on you and, and so like the mobility thing you know i challenged a couple people on the show a couple episodes back and um you know, because we talk about hang and bang and mobile hunting and run and gun and all of these things. But in my experience in the past, it had always mostly been the case that, you know, I had a climber and I had sticks. And once I get in a tree, like I'm parked there for a good chunk of time. Like it's not common to then tear all of that down to just move a couple of trees over. And we found that some people do, in fact, do that. But others are like, yeah, no, I'm posted up here. I just did all this work to hang this thing. I'm not going to take it down. But it's mobile in the sense that you can change every different time you go. Um, taking that extra layer deeper, a lot of people, it sounded like in the midst of that one hunt, you know, they're picking their spot and they're sticking there for that moment. Um, but then you get into the whole, you know, chase them on the ground kind of thing too. And that's a whole nother world. But the saddle hunting to me I is mean, super interesting. I haven't done it yet, but it, I can't help ignore it because it's, it's showing up everywhere. Well, I mean, I mean, as far as, I mean, even when I hunt Ryan's property, you know, I have a spot in mind. This is where I'm going. This is where I'm setting up. This is what I'm doing. 
And if the sun comes up and I'm just like, well, this isn't right. I need to be 40 yards that way. I, I've stuck it out before, and most of the time I regret it. And as much, and, and like you said, especially carrying camera gear and everything, you got twice as much gear. It's twice yeah. the pain in the ass. But yeah. I hate sitting there feeling like I'm just, I'm, I'm off the sidelines and not in the game. If I don't feel like I'm there on the playing field, um, I will sit there and just kick my own ass and, and, and just feel guilty for not getting down and doing it to where now I pretty much go for it. Um, and, you know, and, and bringing back the whole mobile thing, um, I had slept in the morning I killed my buck from the ground. That was on Ryan's property as well. Um, I had slept in because I woke up and it was just pouring. I mean, like complete, complete downpour. And I was like, there's no point in me getting soaking wet and then going in, you know, for a whole day sit soaking wet. I was like, I'm going to wait for the rain to stop. I'll be just after sun up and I'll sneak in then. And on my way out the evening before, I had found some fresh scrapes um, while I was accessing one of the stands. And they were fresh, fresh. Uh and so that morning, you know, I even told Ryan, I'm I'm going up the hill and I'm going to the left. And I started going up the hill and I was like, man, I really <laughs> feel like whichever buck made them scrapes, he's new on the farm, I think. I said, and I think he's going to want to come refresh them scrapes after this rain. And I started walking that direction and we walked right into each other. Um, and that that's exactly how it went down. Um and, you know, Ryan, where you killed yours, you know, you just kind of see, you you notice from your, your typical lock-on stands to stay from year to year, you noticed what the deer were doing, tried to find them earlier. And, and I mean, you kind of went mobile hunt on your private land. You know, you, you went and got another stand, went and set it up and everything where you knew the action was going down because, the deer were kind of working in between, and I guess it had maybe even patterned you a little bit. Absolutely, uh, G. I mean, and that's why I'm so excited to get my rear end in a saddle um, because I've noticed in the past I have encountered some of the bigger bucks um, that I've ran into on a drastic move, um, not just me personally, but uh, the first hunt that, or I'm sorry, the first nice buck that we filmed for Tattoo in the Wild was with Keith and I on his property. And, uh, the day before we were out at this, at his family's farm and, uh, we were noticing a lot of activity just, you know, 70 yards from where we were at. And we're like, man, we gotta, we gotta make a move, you know? So we moved our set that night in the dark and then got back up that next morning, went out and uh we had he was rattling and we had a a big big buck mature buck coming in um from him rattling and he was with a doe and she didn't you know she knew something was up she didn't like what was going on and she kind of like hesitated and walked away he followed her but we were able to rattle in that big six i mean this sucker came in just pissed off you know digging at the ground, all swelled up. He had one eyeball, you know, and that was our first film. 
So that, to me, like being able to be mobile and make those adjustments, I mean, I'm really stoked uh, this year to, to get to get up in a saddle because you are right, G. You you told me once you get in this, once you try this out, you're gonna look at every tree a little differently. And man, I'm I'm walking around and I'm like, oh, I can post up here today if I you know I, I can I can do anything I want you know. And that's uh, hold on. Did you did, wait? Did you guys did you guys just hear something? That was weird. Dude, no, but <laughs> Ryan, you're totally right about that. Like the the flexibility you get from picking any tree, you know, um, that's a whole other ball game. It, I mean, it was actually really before good. I had. It was even before I had a saddle in the woods with me. Um, you know, uh, I, I knew Drew, I had, uh, got familiar with the saddles and everything, but I hadn't jumped on it cause I hadn't figured out how I wanted to film yet. And as we spoke before, you know, filming the hunt is just as important as making the shot. So I hadn't come up with how I was going to do that yet. Um, but just knowing the versatility of the saddle and it's a, again, like Ryan said, I told him, I said, you're going to look at the woods differently. Like you, you're, you're going to just look at, you know, where you didn't think there was opportunity before there absolutely is. Um, and one of the things I've noticed about just even my saddle practice setups and everything is a lot of times I seem to be climbing and staying lower. Um, lower in the tree instead of kind of getting above that first canopy layer um and finding holes a lot of times i'm finding with the saddle that if i get right in there with that canopy layer it hides me more and opens up even more shot opportunity yeah yeah i need to interrupt i need to interrupt can y'all hear me right now because i don't think yeah, you, you heard who yo hi uh, i hear d-rock well, you guys know. For, <laughs> yeah, this this for y'all right here. This for y'all. Shabine. Shabine. I, dude, I cracked a beer earlier and said Shabine. I was like, oh yeah, I ain't on East Coast. It's just ingrained in my head, man. A, a podcast and a beer. Of course, it's a Shabine. Come on. I'm gonna bust D Rock's <laughs> balls, but I still didn't get my Shabine shipped here to Wisconsin, so I'm Shabineless. Oh. But I'll, oh. <laughs> That that's my bad. You like Shabine or are you stuck on that mother? No one else milk? is bad. I don't know how else to get that that freaking beer here. No, no, that's you actually that's it. my bad, Doug. That's my bad. I that's on me for sure. I totally forgot. I've been so so swamped with everything. Uh, get you know between the show and and then trail cans and scouting. It's like that's definitely on me. My bad. I'll make that happen. Five actually, day. you could have ran here by now. Yo, it's my damn good my beer. Word. Don't let him off the hook on that. Rock, hey, look, you, man. Guys, come on. We'll give you a hug G, later. G's like, hey, I'm coming out to your house with this dude, D Rock. I'm like, sweet. He's like, man, he, he, he sponsors. He's sponsored by uh, Shabine. I'm like, well, let me, you know, I gotta get some. Let me, let me. He's like, I'll bring you a 12 pack. Bring a case. I'm like, sweet. And uh, they're on the road coming out to Ohio. And Garrett calls me and he's like, man, I got bad news. He's like, I couldn't get you a case of that beer i'm like oh no worries man he's like no i brought you a 
turkey cakes. I was like, oh. <laughs> 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 Yo, Shout yeah, out to D-Rock and the John Beer for that. Oh, yeah. Thank you, John man. Beer, baby. It, it's my pleasure. You know, if I'm coming to y'all crib, you best believe I'm going to have a trunk full of Shabim beer. So I make it happen. Indeed, Buck you Chris. did. <laughs> Yo, uh, Eric, my word, though, I'll definitely have Shabin shipped out to you this week, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Well, I'm bringing, that's, I'm bringing some, some, new, some new flavor out of Wisconsin to this shoot. I'll be, I'll be bringing some Hubbleton so we can have a Hubbleton Shabin freaking drink off and see how it goes. I think you got me Work. beat, though. Cheers. Knows. Let's do it. Yeah, cheers. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Hey, yo, my boy Ryan, man, what's good, man? Haven't man, it's in a all good. Yeah? All good. Here, baby. We're here in Ohio. Hell yeah. I can't wait to hunt Ohio this year. Yo, it's going to be one for the reckoning. Not to, not to switch subjects, because I know Garrett's probably talking about his fucking heart shot in Ohio. Uh, you know, <laughs> playing, shooting, shooting that perfect shot. I mean, shit. All, all power to him, because that dude's a slayer, but it's uh yeah man it's just it's a tight niche group uh i consider ohio east coast some people consider it mid midwest uh honestly all said and done they're middle easterns <laughs> or they come to We're me there, baby. <laughs> yeah. six hour drive to maryland so i'm hanging That's out with a bunch of middle easterns and mexicans great <laughs> That's yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's my hunt camp, and I'm cool You're with it. <laughs> hey, hey, man. I just got to say, I don't know if y'all know this, but the the freaking tagline for the podcast is connecting public land hunting enthusiasts. I don't know any other podcasts where y'all can just jump in and join each other here, but this is happening. I'm just saying. I'm just freaking saying. I love it. I'm <laughs> down with it, man. I dig it. I dig it. Hell yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Not not to sleep on the private because private private land is no no a not lot of hard work. You're damn right. No no it's it's a lot of hard work. But you know what, public land. I mean, I feel like it's uh it's almost competition, man. And hunting isn't competition. But a good uh, ninja tip to the show is you see someone coming in because you know if you're that diehard motherfucker that's in there hours before everyone else. And you see someone coming in with their little green light or red light, what have you. You know, just give them a couple flashes of that white light. Let them know where you're at so this way they know, oh, shit, I don't want to fuck up his spot and let him go somewhere else. And then with mobile hunting, I I heard uh, Ryan and Garrett talking about, you know, uh, saddle hunting with the wild edge steps and, and maybe arrow hunter saddle or what's soon to come even better than that is sometimes you, you can just break down and move your spot if you have a newbie fucking up your shit. You know what I mean? Which is all good. We encourage new guys in the field to fuck up so they can learn. Give them that bright light. Make them turn like Gizmo and be like, oh, bright light, bright light, and let them <laughs> go the other way. You know what I mean? That's what it is. Don't see them after midnight. All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that topic, D-Rock, I mean, I'm loving the fact that I'm actually on this podcast getting to talk, you know, talk to talk about if you want to go there, public versus private i don't know i haven't been really too much involved with like if there is controversy if there's if there's some beef you know i doubt there is you know we all love what we do we're outdoorsmen we we love to hunt um but that is a topic none the least uh public Here, here's private. my take on it, it wait, i mean wait, wait, G, i've G, hunted G. yo gee gee 
I, I'm up? sorry, Doug. I'm sorry. I just want to hear what Ryan has to say real quick because I haven't talked to him in a minute. So my apologies, Doug. I just want to hear <laughs> what Ryan hiding, has to You've say been hiding in the ghetto. Yeah, you know, you know. Well, the dirty. What man. Saying, Look, yeah. you know, this is something that's really, I mean, I talk to Keith on a daily basis, you know, and we're, we're primarily, I have no shame saying it. I, I grew up. I mean, I have options to hunt several different properties through Keith. Um, to me, it's still on the private. It's it's, it's more um, meaningful to me to harvest the deer off of my own property that's been handed down generation by generation, right? So we'll leave it that. That's a, that's that's a lot awesome, of pride man. to me. That's awesome. So I'm interested in just what you were talking about because I don't, you know, if somebody, if I see a green light on somebody, you know, somebody's headlamp walking up on me when I'm in a tree stand on my private property, we got an issue, you know, so <laughs> I'm not used to that. I'm not used to, uh, hey, flash your light, you got to go somewhere else. It's it's not like that, and I, I'm blessed, and I'm thankful for that. So that's an extra challenge to me, which I'm going to indulge in this year, is I'm going to hunt some public pro- or some uh, yeah some public property. Um, you know, if I haven't punched the tag, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on some uh, public property and and see what that's all about because I it's a challenge to me because there's so more, so much more variables than you would normally encounter on a private land compared to a public land. So to me, that's a challenge, and I'm I'm down for that. I'm I'm can't wait. Amen, brother. So it's Amen. funny because see, I'm I'm real, real quick. I'll say see? I'm the first. This is Eric. So I'll just say real fast, Iraq. I'm the first to say, by the way, like if I had the funds to go get private land, you bet your freaking ass I'd be doing it. So, um, <laughs> and and not to mention, man, like I know guys that have it and they're out working right now, plotting fields, laying down minerals, taking care of their herd, laying up tra- trail cams, like doing all that shit. I'm not doing any of that, right? I just got to show up. So it's um, much respect, dude. I don't, I don't want to get it twisted that it's just two well, different for worlds. Me, man, That's all. It's- for what, well, I can say about for what we do on a, on private piece of uh, a property, we do everything we can do to increase your odds. I mean, that's all it's about is like increase the odds of, of you getting that encounter. Um, yep. You're able to control it a little more, obviously, with a private piece of land, um, which, you know, I guess uh, if you want to get in the dispute yeah that that's a benefit that's a huge benefit where you're able to control your environment man what a what a what a big advantage and that's what's nice about private land hunting but i am a competitor i am a challenge seeker so if it's something new and something that's different now that you know gee i owe it to you 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 got this saddle system in my hands i'm using it and i cannot wait to just use my experience, my knowledge, what I've learned from a kid to now as a hunter to go out and do it where other people are frequently traveling, you know, and I know, gee, how you hunt, especially when you get in that sick of shit out in the swamp, you told me you got to go <laughs> further than anybody else goes. So, hell yeah. Uh, hell yeah. Gee, dive in right now, man, because I know you. Well, yeah, what, what, what I was going to say is we Ryan just and you I up. have talked about this. Um, yeah, right. Um, so yeah, D-Rock's good at that too. But yeah, so what, what I would say is Ryan and I have talked about this, about, um, you know, maybe going out to some public land when we're in Ohio this year, even though he has 150 acres of land that he is 
tailoring, you know, partially tailoring the land for whitetail habitat, uh, for whitetails to want to be there. Um, he had opportunities to go with Keith and other people on properties for known big deer in the area. And Ryan chose, no, nah, I want to get it done on my property. So in a way, the the private was almost limiting him. But that was his choice. And, and, and you know, a lot Absolutely. of guys think that, oh, if you're hunting private land, you're not really hunting. Well, I tell you what, it has nothing to do whether that land is private, whether that land is public. What it has to do with, is there deer there? And if there's deer there, how much pressure by humans is there? If you have hey, a piece gee. of private land and was up. Yo, not to interrupt because this is getting really good, but I give different variables to private land because, I mean, you have my scenario of private land. Well, that's what I was. scenario of yeah. private land and Ryan's scenario of private land. Like, there's many variables in private land that's even worse than public land. Absolutely. If you have a lady that every day drives her golf cart around and has her two dogs following her, <laughs> Guess what? That private property sucks for deer hunting. I'm going to tell you right now. Sounds like you're you speaking. Know, I have a piece of property. That, <laughs> I have a piece of property that's great until October. As soon as that rolls around, there's guys that that start running their coonhounds and foxhounds and shit. Well, guess what? When they run through, the deer run too. Um, you know, the private and public thing can change real. Real quick, it's all about pressure. It's not about private, public, who can be there. It's about who is actually there. Not even just who's hunting it, but who's there, who's putting pressure on deer. Yeah. Just tell, yeah. Just tell golf cart ladies to do that shit every day of the year, and the deer will just get used to it, and then it would be good. You know what, Eric? You I'm know, then you, you got a petting zoo. Yeah. Up. Well, it's straight up. It's You know what? Thank you for saying that, Eric, because uh, the petting zoo – it's like I was going running for the other day. One of my private pieces, um, I've been running a lot, mainly because my wedding, but uh, more so driven for uh, hunting abilities. Yep. And, and uh, the other day I posted something, that, turkeys. So we're out of turkey season. It's almost like the turkeys know. I was 10 feet away from these motherfuckers, and I'm running, and I stopped to take the video. And, of course, shout out to Whitetail Drifter, Connor Wakefield, He's like, oh, get out of your petting zoo. But he don't even know. The pressure <laughs> in my private lands, it's like I have 20 acres that abut another 40 acres that I have that abut another 120 acres that I just gained. It's like people don't even know the management that it takes to get into the hunting field, especially in the hood. It's like we're getting people in private land driving through through UT with UTVs, ATVs, I mean, just everything, uh, even poachers. And you know what? That's, in my area, personally, inner city, for me to gain that much acreage was so much work. And then on top of it, to try to manage all the people around it. It's like, people don't know. Private, I, I want to say in my scenario, private is a lot harder than public. Because in public, at least they know what to expect in private i mean there's many different variables man and not to get off subject on that but i mean that's what it is man 
So anyone hunting public is like, my, I tip my hats off to you. But when it comes to private, it takes a lot of fucking individual work. You know, you really have to dedicate yourself to that. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, get get the fuck off the show. No, I'm just kidding. That's a good point, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the first time you swore at me. (laughs) No way. No way. I think so. I think it's just when you just rock around, you let loose. Yeah, that's what happens. (laughs) This happens to my brother-in-law. He brings it out, and then my buddy Chris, a.k.a. Rosie, there's like a few people that when I'm around him, this other freaking character comes out. Maybe it's E-Rock. I'm not sure, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, he hits the point, man. Surreal, it's you, it's you damn Clark boys. You're right <laughs> on that, man. Uh, I'm in the middle of, you know, the, the the personal work that goes into managing a property is pretty pretty in depth. I mean, I got a freaking old tractor that my that G's worked on with me before. I had this thing in two different pieces because we broke the PTO shaft. You know, now I can't do shit. I can't, you know, can't bush all, can't do nothing, can't, can't clear paths, you know. So it's like <laughs> it's it's a it's a full-time commitment. If you want to have a good property, um, it goes way beyond just putting a food plot in. It's it's like do you have the equipment? Do you have the knowledge, uh, the resources? So – Dude, but that that uh, work breeds uh, that work breeds a lot of pride, man, and you gotta feel really good about it. Like you said, I think that's really special. There's a lot of intrinsic value in all that shit. Yo, yeah, since we're on, since we're on the subject right now of uh, hunting lands and private public, gee, why don't you disclose on this podcast uh, your recent endeavors, and you have some real good footage coming uh, to fruition. With Pack Driver, can you dip into that, bro? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Actually, it was uh, to Brian in Ohio on Ryan's farm. Ryan was out at a different spot. I was with Keith, but yeah, filmed uh, my first footage for Pack Driver TV this year out there, which is uh, you know, we'll 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 wait until that comes out to let everybody see what it is. But um, you know. And let's just say it's raw, real, no bullshit style. Oh <laughs> yeah, dude, that's cool. That's freaking cool. Well, and, and what? What? Just give a little teaser, G. What? What kind of game was it? That that was turkeys. That was a turkey Hell game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yo, I can't wait to see that, especially especially on Tech Driver and the Pursuit Channel. That's gonna be something to be said for sure. Cause I don't think I don't think they've had that on their show. So I mean, shit, that you're bringing something new to the game, especially on that network. That's gonna be dope. Well, and I was shooting <laughs> that solid decap to try to get the craziest footage I could. You know, I, people have seen turkeys get shot, but I wanted to get that decap footage. You know. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! No, you did an awesome job. That's I went back cool, man. to that damn spot and didn't get a damn turkey at all. Same spot. Yeah, it was no kind act. of tough, wasn't it? Man. It was, it was wild that one morning. The whole rest of the time was quiet. Yep. Well, shit, guys. Ryan, D-Rock, thanks for calling in. As the host, i got to keep things moving along here. So, um, you guys got anything else you want to say or add? 
appreciate you letting us get on this crazy, crazy tune here. I appreciate the talk and can't wait to do it again in the future. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And to piggyback off of that, again, you know, Eric, thank you for uh, consistently letting me chime in because I don't know if your listeners are are sick of hearing me or not, but uh, at the same time, it's like, this is what it is. They need to know this. So anytime I feel like uh, it needs to be glorified, that's when I chime in is like tune in to the modern assassin. Garrett Benner is uh, definitely a, someone to reckon with and keep an eye out for him because he's just growing bigger and bigger. He's on Tech Driver TV, Pursuit Channel, part of the East Coast team. And what, what? If, you, if you ever want to bow fish out in Maryland, shit, look him up working class outdoorsman, Nick Mathers, and they'll get you on some snakeheads, definitely some carp, and on a good day, a lot of rays. So stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, D-Rock, you're a fixture, man. You're welcome anytime, brother. Amen. Thank you, brother. And Ryan, you do your time. It was freaking perfect, man. (laughs) Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. I'm sure we'll all meet up sooner or later in the woods, playing and slaying. Yeah, I like that, Ryan. Cheers, fellas. Good shit. Look at that, man. Freaking people calling in to talk to you. Big time over there in freaking Maryland. I, I told you, I told you, my Ohio family was kind of crazy too. They, they good bunch, man, <laughs> for sure. I like Ohio. They got, they got good deer over there too. They so, got good deer. They got good genetics, and they have a good management plan. Hell yeah, man! And it's not that far. I think I drove there in like seven hours when I went from Wisconsin. It wasn't a big deal. It was just like a pretty enjoyable drive, actually. I haven't been back in a while, but yeah, you can do that for a weekend hunt. You know what I mean? That that yep. a lot of times I go out there, it takes me six hours from uh, usually about six and a half because I'll have my dog with me and have to make an extra stop. Um, but yeah, six six and a half hours, I'm out there to Ryan's place, and uh, yeah, sometimes it's just for a weekend hunt. That's for someone on the on the comments just called you guys Flatlanders. Oh, <laughs> and then uh, Bruce. Oh yeah, Bruce. where are they from? Yeah, I'm not sure. Kurt, where are you from? You can chime in on the comments. I'll read it back. And then Bruce, um, the Haas, Ritter Clark says, "What's up, Garrett?" He's in the comments too. Dropping What's in up, there. What's up, Big Haas? I was just, I was just speaking with the Arrow Doctor earlier today. Oh yeah, man. Guy takes a lot of calls. A lot of calls. Yes, he does. He's uh. Yeah, he's contributed to the success of many people, that's for sure. Um, he's like telemedicine for your doctor starts, for your boat. I've heard you speak of ethics on here as well, but yeah, man. I've, yep. Okay, so that buck I was telling you about, I shot on the ground. I saw this buck going down the hill one way, and where we were going to kind of cross, he was going to be too far ahead of me. So I grunted at him. And he actually turned and came back toward me. And I keep looking out the right side of this tree I'm hiding behind, thinking he's going to kind of step out the same way he was going. And I realized he's coming out to the left side of the tree. So I got back at full draw. 
And I don't know what this buck thought he saw or if he just didn't see anything, but he pinned his ears back, lowered his head down, and started walking down that hill crooked. Like he was postured up, ready to kick some ass. And I put that, I, 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 I put that, uh, I shoot an easy V sight, and I V'd up right on him. I let it rip loose, and that broadhead and arrow went in his chest, through his heart, out, out next to his balls, in his back leg, and then all the way through and out his back leg. <laughs> With them oh at the end, I literally, yeah, it was literally it a full him. body pass through, full body pass through. And I mean, from oh. chest to ass. Jeez, you didn't have to cut the balls off. <laughs> it just ripped right all the way right through everything. And and the funny thing was, is after I'm like, man, this is gonna be a mess. <laughs> when I go to gut this thing, it's going to be a mess. But it really wasn't too terrible. So I got lucky yeah, you on got, that. You got to watch that gut stench, man. Oof. Oh, Learn yeah. the hard way young about fucking trying to avoid that whole fucking mess. But, well, shit, dude, let's hear about your most memorable hunt. Let's wrap up with that. Take your time on the story. This is by far one of my favorite segments of the show. Every memorable hunt that people share with me is entirely different for entirely different reasons because it all means something different to different people. So I'm really excited to hear what you got to say about your most memorable hunt. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I do have a most memorable. I mean, there are a lot of them up there, especially with most, nearly all my hunts being on film and being able to look back at them. It's really cool. But one of my most memorable is, a video I have up and it's of a black powder sick of stag hunt. Um, so I had got hooked on chasing these sick of deer in the marshes. Um, and I wanted a stag. I didn't just want to kill a hind. I wanted a stag and, um, I worked at it for six years and this is oh, all public shit. land. Um, yeah, this is all public land. It's completely different terrain. You're talking about, a mature animal that's made like a hundred pounds is a big one. Um, you're talking about these short little elk subspecies that live in knee deep water and 10 foot tall grasses for the most part. Um, a lot of times it's just miserable going after them, the conditions, the bugs. You want to talk about mosquitoes, you will die if you don't have a thermosel when you go out for these things. Um, yeah, I've almost literally lost my mind from the buzzing. But yeah, my most memorable hunt was uh I I went and set up a stand during bow season on public land, um, and then went back for the opening day of muzzle loader. And I hit I kept hearing this splashing, thinking, Okay, there there there's a sicka coming through the water over here. And it ended up being, uh, I don't know, you probably ain't ever heard of them. They're called Delmarva fox squirrels. And they are squirrels that are the size of a house cat. Like, <laughs> Holy shit. I'm not sure what the actual weight is, but I'm talking like a seven-pound squirrel. Like, wow. these things are huge. So he's running across this branch going between two patches of land. And every time he jumps off the branch, the branch is springing and slapping the water. 
And that's what I'm hearing in the water, thinking it's a sick of deer. And uh, at that same time, so I'm looking to my right, at that same time, there's a, a six-point stag coming in at, uh, I guess, probably at, at my, like, 8 o'clock. Um, get spun around on him, get the camera spun around. And, I mean, you're hunting these teeny little tiny pine trees. And uh, I had 150 grain of powder. It was a cheap muzzleloader, and we could not get this damn thing to hold a uh, pattern with 100 grain. So we're like, well, hell with it. Throw in 150 grain, and we were fucking drilling it. (laughs) So I was shooting 150 grain of powder. I had this sick at about 80 yards, and they call them marsh ghosts for a reason. You see them, and then they they just disappear. And you, I mean... Sometimes it leaves you question whether you actually saw one or not, the way they just disappear okay. in these fried grasses. And um, I had this thing at 82 yards. I drew back, dropped the hammer on him, and uh, I almost blew my ass right out the tree. And when the smoke cleared, he was laying in a puddle kicking, and, you know, I'm on cloud nine. And then he stood up and started trotting away, and I'm just thinking – go down like please go down and i hit him a little far back um he was walking and uh the direction he had turned to go walk to he would have eventually caught wind and fairly quick so i busted him and uh so i'm literally walking down these trails through 10 foot tall grasses and these trails are only six to eight inches wide and I walked within probably about five feet of this thing and kicked it up. And this is uh, three to four hours after the shot, I think it was. So I gave him time. Damn, dude. Um, and I kicked him up. And, I mean, this thing, he's only 10 feet from me. I throw the gun up, go to pull the hammer back, and he just disappears. Like I said, like a ghost. There's a reason they're called marsh ghosts. And I just started running to where I thought he was going to go. And somehow I got ahead of him because he pops out behind me. And when I turn around, I throw the gun up, get the gun on him, and he just disappears again. Holy and shit. He's probably super confused, too. Like, wait. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I knew I was surprised that I had even found him once without having any type of blood trail or anything. I was surprised I found him once. I was really surprised I saw him a second time. And uh, I figured if I just don't get him right now, I'll never see him again. And I just started running at him. I dropped my my stick. I got water flooding in over my boots. I fell down arm deep into the muck in the marsh and just held the muzzleloader up high so it didn't get wet. And I, the wall of fried grass got so thick, it was literally like a wall. And he ran and ran into a tree. And he dropped when he hit the tree. And as soon as he stood back up, I just busted his ass the second time. I hit him with the muzzle literally from like six yards away. Oh, man. Um, it was an Carnage. insane hunt. And then if you watch the video, you'll see right after I shoot him, I immediately look up and look around in every direction because that fried grass and that swamp, 
it's like running through a swampy cornfield. Like there's no way to tell one direction from another where you are really. I mean, it's it's like being put in the middle of a cornfield and find your way out. Like everything looks the same. Yeah. So the first yep. thing I did was look around and try to get a bearing of, okay, where the hell am I? Where's all my gear at? Um, and how am I getting this thing out of here now? Um, but that was on public land and that was a six year quest and I didn't get it done with a bell, but I did get a stag and it was a three by three, which, um, you know, the genetics are down there. They do get a four by four, but it's very, very rare. Most of the time you get a three by three, they just get bigger and bigger. So, um, I, I, it, it was the biggest trophy, even though it's not the biggest animal I've taken by far, isn't the biggest score. Um, that was my biggest. Sounds like if you got one of those fucking squirrels, that would hunt. be the biggest animal that you ever got. But dude, <laughs> right? That's why they're illegal oh, though. But yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to post a video and tag you in it because I'm not kidding. These are squirrels I think I found it, but I'm not that have oh, the squirrels. ears like bobcats. Yeah, they got ears like bobcats, but it's a squirrel the size of like a freaking house cat. Man, my cats have a field day with that, especially one of them. That's a great story, man. That's a <laughs> freaking fun story that's crazy i've been i've been in cattails i've almost gotten lost in them i can relate to that degree i've never hunted a sick stag in my life i know nothing about him they sound pretty fucking resilient but that guy was confused as shit man when you found him he's probably like holy shit where's this guy coming he and i both man he and i both and like i said it if you or uh, any of the listeners want to check that out, it is on my YouTube, uh, The Modern Assassins, and I think it was titled just uh, Black Powder Sickestag or Sickestag Black Powder, something like that. Um, you know, in that hunt, I had three to four different cameras running. Um, and that, uh, from my truck to set up, um, it's, nearing a couple miles and it takes a couple hours wow that's ain't nothing it. easy about it that's for sure so we've covered a, a bunch of ground um tell people the number of things you got going on we got some things going on with tv we got some things going on with manufacturing we got some things going on with filming and youtube you know you got your website where do people go to check all this shit out. Like how do you, how do they find the modern assassin short of giving you a Google search? Where do you want to direct people to? Man, <laughs> man I don't even know. I don't even know where I'm at, where to tell everyone else where to find, but yeah, now, um, most of my stuff, uh, I'm pretty current with Instagram. That's where I'm the most current at, um, the underscore modern underscore assassin. Uh, the Modern Assassin or TheModernAssassins.com. That's my website. Uh, YouTube, The Modern Assassins. And, yeah, I'm working with Wild Edge right now um, on releasing, uh, I don't know, this may be the first time this has dropped on a podcast, too. Yeah. So uh, here we go, Drew. Um, Wild Edge will be coming out with their own saddle and will be the complete mobile hunting system. Um, they have the the steps. Uh, I'm working with them on the design on new bags. Um, 
I uh, guess another little leak, man. You're getting all the details. You caught me right at the right time and short notice <laughs> too, but you're getting all the details. Um, I have my own camouflage pattern coming out. What? Uh, something up, that dude. I is, have is, been. Is it skin? Cam- is it skin camouflage? <laughs> it's um. <laughs> I've seen you wearing it already. <laughs> it's a. No, it, this is uh no. I I've come up with a new camouflage that I spoke a little bit about it, but now it's time to tell. It it is coming out. It'll be the modern assassin uh, camouflage. I haven't figured out a name and all for it yet, but um, it will be featured on the Wild Edge saddles that um are being made in partner with Arrow Hunter. Um, I have got- a camo oh, arm man. coming out. Yeah, dude, shit, you you got you got a lot of irons in the fire, man, but it's good shit. Dude, you got no idea, man. It's it's kind of ridiculous. I'm always I'm always into not just something, but ten things. Uh, but yeah, I got the camera arm coming out. Um, it is designed for packability, mobile hunting, saddle hunting. Um, I've I've designed this camera arm from the bottom up with Matt Garris out on a limb manufacturing from, you know, just all my time and experience and my Franken arm. And uh, your buddy Greg Tubbs, I think, can uh, attest to the thought and design um, and what this thing has become, the the assassin reach. So that'll be coming out. I will be, yeah, I'm now filming as the modern assassin for Tack Driver TV. Uh, for the Pursuit channel. Um, and, you know, as far as the podcast game goes, this and everything else, um, it, I'll just say you may be hearing me more and more around. Well, let's just get you back on, dude, when we get into hunting season. If you can find time out of the woods to shoot the shit on the Where to Hunt podcast and connect with people, let's do it again, man. I appreciate you freaking coming on the show today. Man, 100%. I had a blast. I appreciate D-Rock and Ryan calling in. I mean, and that was perfect time for Ryan to call in, Um, you know, especially <laughs> him being a private land hunter. But taking the mentality to a mobile game this year because he was struggling. I mean, he, he was having trouble on his own property. And it's like, man, it's just not things just aren't laying out the same as they are. So he had to take a new new approach and observe and everything and abandon his set stands and go set other stands and get mobile with it. Um, yeah, sure, it was private land, and, and he had the deer, but like I said, in a way, he almost limited himself. Um, but, yeah, man, I had a fucking blast. D-Rock calling in. He's always a trip. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm game to, you know, kind of be on here with you again, or for sure I'll be be just calling in. Had a blast. Yeah, dude, that's always an option too, man. The lines are open. We'll take anybody, even you. <laughs> even me, I like it. I like it. Just remember, sometimes I come with a uh, uh, explicit a disclaimer. Apparently. <laughs> All right, man. I'm gonna go ahead and end the line streams. Everybody that watched in the show today, thanks so much. I'll be getting this produced and put out in a podcast land this evening. So uh, stay tuned, and, and they'll be coming at you, you know, tonight and tomorrow morning for everybody on their commutes. Appreciate all y'all. Tip of the week. So, as everybody knows, the tip of the week is coming from the OKS Hunter, pretty generic in nature. Um, wait, speaking of OKS Hunter, by the way, I did launch a t-shirt campaign of 
me on a t-shirt, The Okayest Hunter, and the theme song for the Where to Hunt podcast, Hunt, 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 on a t-shirt. If that's something you're into and you want to support the podcast and wear the brand and all of that stuff, check it out. Go to the Facebook page. It's there. Go to the Instagram page. It's there. It's not on the website. It's just on those social media platforms. If you have questions, let me know. I'd love to see that stuff um, being worn out and about. And I think we already got six sales of all combined, five of the okayest hunter and one of the hunt, 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 which is me, actually. So there's that. Anyway, tip of the week, I'm actually looking for tips. So instead of me giving one, if you've made it this far in the show, that means you really like the show. And if you are willing to send a message via Facebook or Instagram or email, um, whatever, I'm really looking for ways on how to deal with mosquitoes. Now, look, I have a thermocell. I'm wondering if I should have two of them. I hate mosquitoes a whole bunch. And so I've been talking to folks about how excited I am for bow hunting this year. And doing a podcast makes that itch that much worse. And I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be so damn excited to get out that I'm going to go out and then I'm going to be eaten alive by bugs on that first opener weekend of bow hunting season in September. And I'm going to hate my life and it's going to suck. And, you know, the one time I went out and uh, had the thermocell cooking and it didn't do a damn thing to, to, to even like they, they didn't even the bugs didn't even care that that thing was going. So, you know, at what point do you just cake on the bug spray, the nerve agent spray on your clothes for mosquitoes, the thermocell and get a freaking net? Like what are what are what is everyone else doing? You know, I really tried to lean into it a little bit on today's show uh, because Garrett was shirtless in a tree in the thick of the summer woods. And I was like, what? How the hell are you dealing with that? And so in my mind, he's pretty badass. But there's another buddy that I have of mine, Shane, that seems to be immune to mosquitoes. And he proved that to be true in the Boundary Waters when like thousands of them were attacking him. And he was just laughing. It was very confusing. We're very concerned for for his safety. (laughs) But I'm not one of those people. I'm the exact opposite. So any tips that anybody has short of keeping your skin completely covered, I just I just want to help people deal with it because early season excites me because I think you can really get, you know, in before the deer have any idea that hunters are going to be out there. And if people feel like me in that sense, um, it's one of those things where a lot of people might not be in the woods. So it's just a really interesting time to actually try to get into the woods. And that being said, I hate those devil bugs more than I hate almost anything else. So any tips that anybody has about how to deal with that would be greatly appreciated. And if uh, anybody's willing to check out the t-shirts and, and all that that I made up, um, it means a ton to me. Obviously, the reviews have come in. That means a ton. Sorry to ask every time. It's pretty shameless, I know, but uh, it just means a lot to me. So thanks, everybody. I hope I continue to add value to your hunt, to your tactics, strategies, um, to your entertainment, to your day, all of that stuff. I hope everybody has a great day, a great week. Uh, stay tuned and hunt public. <laughs>